Hello, and welcome to the CRE with Coldwell Banker Commercial Worldwide podcast. My name is Christina Ballas, the National Director of Strategic Implementation for CBC, and I'll be your host today. At Cobalt Banker Commercial, companies across the United States and Canada, there is a real spirit of community. One that not only loves the markets in which they reside and work, but one that showcases that affection through action. On this episode, we'll hear from two leaders in the CBC network that are truly exemplifying the Cobalt Banker Commercial core value of being big hearted. Today, we are joined with Charles Upchurch III, who joined the well-established family business in 1985 and took it to a higher level. Today, he serves as the president and broker of both CB and CBC Upchurch Realty, which proudly employs over 100 full-time residential agents, 10 commercial agents, and a staff of 15. Through his attention to detail and commitment to his clients, he has successfully secured or sold properties for many prominent investors. Charlie also participates actively in the community by holding numerous civic and professional positions. And notably for today's conversation, Charlie leads a company with a culture of giving back that we will hear more about. And I really can't wait to dig into. We are also honored to have Joshua Markevich with us today. Josh entered the commercial real estate industry in 2009 and brings experience from a wide variety of disciplines to Cobalt Banker Commercial Devonshire Realty in Champaign, Illinois, as vice president and broker. Josh's journey is both interesting and inspirational. 9-11 was just the prologue to Josh's story. He was moved to join the Army, where he earned the coveted Green Beret and served in the U.S. Army Special Forces. That provided Josh with a significant amount of experience working in multidimensional, fast-paced, and high-stress environments. He transferred all those skills and experience into the business world as a commercial real estate professional. In 2016, he launched Camp McCall, a purpose-driven organization that connects post-9-11 military veterans attending a post-secondary educational institution in the Champaign area with local business and community leaders through mentorship. Giving back is at the heart of it all, and I can't wait to dig into some of the amazing things these two guests are working on. Welcome, Charlie and Josh, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for for having us. Josh, I want to start with a question for you. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about your path? It's just really inspirational. Sure. Yeah. I, um, so I joined, I guess the past stars, I joined the army in 2003 and had a really incredible experience there. I deployed a couple of times, made some really amazing friends and got to do some, some really cool things, but it was never, I never wanted to do it like for my life. I I never looked at it as this is what my career is going to be. I wanted to fight for my country and serve at the sharp end of the stick. And then I wanted to kind of continue on. So I got out of the army in September of 2008 and immediately started college in Wisconsin, where, where I'm originally from. And I was a finance major. And I knew, although I felt I had kind of a unique skill set and lots of great experience from my time in the army, I knew nothing about 
finance or the, you know, the field I thought I wanted to work in. So I felt it would be important for me to find an internship. So uh, the challenge became starting school in September of 2008, as you probably remember in October of 2008, the financial crisis started, which was a, a bad time to be looking for a position in finance. So I, I, I tried really hard for for a long time contacting companies seeking an internship but with the the world kind of falling apart uh, i didn't get very far and it just happened that by the time spring semester rolled around i took a uh, elective course that was intro to commercial real estate and day one of that class the professor said if anybody's looking for an internship come see me after class so I, I uh, jumped at that and talked to him after class and I got an internship at a commercial real estate brokerage firm in downtown Milwaukee. And I got licensed there and I worked there for the next 18 months until I finished school. And that professor and multiple brokers at that firm really became mentors for me and, and launched my kind of career in this industry. And you know, I had always given, you know, for multiple years kind of monetarily to certain veterans organizations that were important to me for various reasons. And at, at some point I realized and, and decided that I wanted to do more. And I, I didn't know what that meant or, or what it was going to look like. So it re was really kind of a multi-year process for me to figure out what could I do and what, you know, what, just what is, how can I, how can I do more? And as I looked back on the challenges that I faced as, you know, a veteran coming out of the military, the thing that was front and center was trying to find an internship and having, you know, not getting anywhere with that. And really I ended up finding mentorship. Um, and that's been so beneficial to me. So three years ago, I launched um, this organization called Camp McCall that connects post 9-11 military veterans attending the University of Illinois, which is um, the state's flagship university and where I'm located, connecting those veterans with mentors in the community. That is really amazing. That path of how you're now giving back just it's both makes sense and both inspiring. So thank you for sharing that. I can't wait to dig in with a few more questions. But before I dig into that, I wanted to also have Charlie introduce himself and talk about what he's doing in his community. All right, great. And uh, I just want to say thank you to Josh for uh, what he's done for us and, and his commitment to the military that uh, he went through and, and what he's continuing to do. So thank you, Josh. Uh, that's yeah. great. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, in Athens, what uh, one of the, one of our events, we've had a lot of different events over the years, but one of our main events is uh, for the last five years, and this started five years ago when when the uh, the police officers were really getting kind of bad publicity, you know, for for one police officer's uh, bad conduct. And so, you know, I, I kind of felt I've got a lot of friends that are in the police department in Athens and, and uh, I know them well and I know that uh, they're in it for all the right reasons and and they handle themselves well. And so, you know, when you're, you're seeing national television just uh, kind of uh, beating up on the police, you know, you just I felt for them. So we came up with the idea. Um, we had already been doing a customer appreciation barbecue uh, for about four or five hundred people at our office, uh, probably three years prior to this. And we still do that in the fall and we do the uh, first responders barbecue in the spring. But 
it seemed kind of natural for us. I've got a, a huge smoker that I pull behind my, my car, cooking for a lot of people I'm not unfamiliar with. So, so what we did was uh, we invited all the first responders because we didn't want to make a political statement. You know, we value all of them. So we invited the uh, the Clark County Police Department and the Clark County Fire Department and the Clark County Sheriff's Department. And then in the neighboring county, Oconee County, we invited the uh, the police department there and the fire department there as well. So, um, so that equals up to about 600 people. You know, we prepared for 300 the first year, and uh, and we ran out of food uh, right there at the very end. We really timed it kind of perfect. But and then each year it's kind of grown. And this past year, because of COVID, you know, we only served about probably 250 to 300. But still, we get a lot of fanfare on it. We we do it across the street from our office at a church in the parking lot, and everybody riding by sees what we're doing, and and I think the community as a whole appreciates it. I know it's uh it's talked about, you know. So we just basically giving back, you know. And all of my agents, it's everything's done inside of our office. I mean, we have a uh, we make barbecue pork, and we make baked beans and slaw, and one of my agents cooks you know, up to 500 cookies. And, you know, we have tea donated from Chick-fil-A and uh, it's just a great event. And and so that's kind of the way we give back and let them know we appreciate them. And, and, and we have the press here and they're, they're taking pictures. So just letting them know that we do appreciate what they do on a daily basis. That is awesome, Charlie. And, you know, my first thought, actually, or my first question is, you know, how do you how do you inspire just about everyone in your office to pitch in? Because that's a big effort. And I know we're social media friends and, you know, I see on Facebook that you really are inspired to give back in your personal life. And it, it's really awesome. But how do you think that you transfer that to the, everybody in your office that it's an all hands on deck thing? Well, you know, I've got I've got great agents. It's not it's not a hard sell. You know, they they enjoy giving back to the community as well. And it does take uh, you know it takes a village, believe it or not. Uh, when you're when you're trying to feed that many people, and and recently, you know, I guess in Mark we we fed a thousand people at the Piedmont Hospital here in Athens. We fed the entire staff and doctors at Piedmont Hospital. And we did it in to-go plates, and they would come down with carts and carried up to their nurses' stations and all out throughout the hospital. And they said that uh, the hospital smelled like a barbecue restaurant all day that day, but um, had a big time with that, and they really appreciated that too. But but what happens is, is we have it on a Thursday, which we typically do, Wednesday uh, afternoon, there's about four or five of us, and we just start preparing everything. You know, all during the week prior to, we're gathering up what we're going to need, gallons of baked beans, and, you know, and then the day of or the uh, Wednesday that we start to cook, you know, we'll go and pick up the Boston butts, and um, and then that night about 7 o'clock, we'll put them on, and there'll be about two or three of us, or about five of us put it on, get everything ready, and then about two of us stay all night long and just make sure the fire's uh, where it needs to be and all. And then the next morning, about 6 o'clock, There'll be about four or five more come, and and we'll start chopping up the meat and 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 setting up the service line and all. And then we have shifts that come in and work, you know, two hour shifts, and that's where our agents come in. Well, they're all agents, but that's when the the line share of the agents come in, and they work shifts of about ten to eight people uh, per shift. But we'll end up with twenty per shift. But it it takes a lot of coordination. But uh, now it's gotten to where. Everybody has a part. We all just kind of know what we do. We've been doing it so much and so often and everybody, again, enjoys it. So it's been easy. That is awesome. Josh, I wanted to to ask you, you know, it sounds like you have a similar kind of inner 
belief of, of giving back. And, and from what we hear from Charlie, it really sounds like it just is almost second nature to him. And it sounds like that's almost how yours developed. But I want to dig a little so maybe our listeners can gain something about what they want to do in their life. How did you think about what how you were going to give back? How did you develop, you know, turning your passion into action? Yeah, I mean, it It certainly took me some time. I knew that I wanted to do something more than, you know, just giving money to some organizations, which which is important and great and needed. And, you know, something I still do. But I also felt that I wanted to do something more. And it was honestly a multi-year process for me, which was probably longer than it should have been. But I, I kept a like an Evernote on my phone. And for years, every time I just had ideas about something or I saw something that, you know, an organization or something that kind of gave me some inspiration, I would put it in this Evernote. And I, if I would think of names of a potential, like what I could call it, even if I had no idea what it was going to be, I'd put in name ideas. And um, I remember I had been doing that for a couple of years and Veterans Day of 2015, I was kind of thinking like, I've been kicking this around for two years or something. And what am I doing? Like, I need to go. And by that time I had come up with the idea as I thought about my own challenges with internship and mentoring mentorship, I had come up with that idea by then. And so so that, you know, November, 2015, I, I was like, I kicked myself in the pants and said, I need to, to do this. And that day I called, well, basically I knew I couldn't do it by myself because uh, the idea of connecting veterans attending the university of Illinois with mentors, I knew a lot of really great people who could be mentors, business owners and executive, but I didn't know any veterans at the university of Illinois. So I knew I needed to get um, in touch with someone there. And, and I called the veterans office at the university and said, I, I'm Josh and I have this idea. And like, one, do you guys already do this? And two, if you don't, like, do you think it's worthwhile? And that started a conversation with multiple veterans themselves who, who work for university. And um, really the three of us kind of got together on this and, and launched it. That is great. I love that it took time. I mean, it's, it almost reminds me of, of the barbecue that Charlie was just saying, you know, you have to make sure the fire's right. You got to check on it. You know, you had to really tend to it. You had to tend to your plan. Can you tell me a little bit about Camp McCall and why you did name it that since you said you spent some time thinking about the right name? Yeah. I mean, I, I can't remember coming up with all kinds of names and none of them really resonated with me. I would, and for, for whatever reason, one day Camp McCall popped into my head and and it's maybe sounds like a weird name, but it was really important to, to my time in in the special forces. So Camp McCall is is a military base. I was stationed at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and Fort Bragg is also the home of where all of the training for special forces is. And Camp McCall is located about an hour from um, from Bragg, and it's where the majority of training for the special forces happens. So as I thought about it, I looked at Camp McCall as a place where young, motivated, driven soldiers who don't have a lot of skills um, are taught by these incredible, experienced Green Berets, uh, and they're training them 
to be the future uh, of the force, the future leaders and, and operators out there. And I really looked at what I was trying to accomplish here as the same thing. We're taking driven veterans who have done great things, but want to do even more. And we're pairing them with, um, you know, successful and motivated mentors in the community to hopefully be a catalyst for those veterans to, you know, so it really, to me, it was kind of the same thing. That's awesome for our listeners. And I'll have you um, plug it later. Is there a website that you want to drive people to, to check out your organization? Yeah, it's cammacall.com. Yeah, McCall is M-A-C-K-A-L-L. Thank you. You know, the one thing that sticks out to me from our conversation a couple of days ago, Josh, is the idea of training and how, you know, you really felt like you had a lot of training when you were in the Army and the Special Forces and how you thought that that was something needed. Can you talk about that a little bit, especially with commercial real estate? I feel like that comes up a lot. Yeah, training is interesting because I realized early on in my career in commercial real estate that, you know, in the special forces, there's a, a huge culture around training. It, you're, it's something we do every single day. It doesn't matter if we're deployed or not. If we're, if we're deployed and we're not actively out on a mission, we're training. If we're not deployed, uh, we're training for the next deployment. And it's, it's really part of the culture. And I kind of realized when people go into normal career fields from my perception it's less part of the culture like people get a job they they learn the skill whether it's in college or somewhere else they get a job and then they just do that job and are there training opportunities every once in a while sure but it's not like an everyday thing and, and it's obviously it's a different scenario like in the military to some extent you're training so you don't you know get killed in combat and so your buddies don't get killed so it's a different, you know, it's kind of a life or death situation, but still what, what we're doing and what, you know, there are still a lot of important things. Um, so training, I guess for me and like education and knowledge has always been really important. And I think, you know, one thing that has come out of COVID a bit is there have been so many, both within our own organization, like all the Friday virtual coffee breaks. And I mean, there have been so many different groups that have had so like a ridiculous amount of training opportunities and webinars and stuff. And, and I've certainly taken advantage of those because it's, um, I think it's really important to improve yourself and learn more and how you can do a better job for you know your clients and your family and everybody else. That's so true. It's somebody like yourself that's been through, you know, that's been a green beret can transfer that into business. And I think it takes, um, you know, maybe a few minutes for somebody to really just stop and think about all of their experiences and how that transfers throughout everything they do. And I think that's true for so many of us. Certainly, it's nice to hear, you know, your story to hopefully that'll inspire folks to really sit and think about what are the things that really stood out to them in their life and how can that help them both advance in their career, but also give back to the community. Charlie, I wanted to ask you a question since we're talking about how Josh has come to creating Camp McCall. I wanted to hear from you. What was, if you can remember back to, what was your first time that you decided you wanted to give back? Do you remember the first inkling that you knew that you needed to give back to the community? And, and what was that like? And then how has that changed throughout your career? Well, I guess, uh, you know, I'd have to give a lot of credit to my dad, you know, uh, watching him as I grew up and, and then working with him side by side. You know, my dad was a, a real big supporter of the community, you know, and, and 
the better people do around you, the better you do. You know, I mean, just the rising tide floats all boats, you know, and Athens uh, has been voted, you know, uh, over numerous years now as one of the places to retire to. You know, we've got the University of Georgia here and and there's a lot of people that come here. And, and, and I share with my agents, you know, I says, you know, when we're doing these things, the community is watching us. They're They're seeing the things that we're doing and they're seeing how we're giving back to the community. And so I think a lot of times I phone a ring um, just out of appreciation for uh, the way we conduct ourselves and the way we do business. You know, I'd say it's kind of in my DNA. And when was the first time, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, between my Christian beliefs and and my work ethic that dad gave me, I think that uh, it just kind of comes natural. The first time, uh, you know, I, I remember cutting yards for older people when I was a young boy, uh, and and not accepting money from them just because I knew it was the right thing to do. You know, I mean, they were on fixed incomes and it was probably uh, just a widow woman living there. And I'd, you know, I'd cut the neighbor's yard and I'd realize that, you know, Mrs. Smith needs her yard cut. So I'd just go over there and cut it. And so it started at early age, I guess, that, you know, it's just the way to do business. You know, Charlie, when you're talking to me, you know, as a, somebody just hearing the story, it sounds like, you know, you had somebody, your dad, right, that, that really inspired you or, or showed you the way, you know, and I think you're doing that for so many people to be able to serve a thousand people food that are first responders or, you know, nurses or people that work in the community is no small feat. And it really takes, I think, an inspirational leader to be able to to do that. Um, have you ever had anybody, you know, say to you straight out that because of what I've seen you do inspired me to do it. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, we've had that happen several times on, on different things. We built a, our office, built a, a Habitat for Humanity house by ourselves. We raised uh, $60,000 over a two-year period, and then then we actually had to build, and, and our agents built the house. And if I had to say anything, out of all the things we've done as far as building up camaraderie inside of our office, the Habitat for Humanity House was probably the best uh, give back that we did that we've done in the past. But but we've done a lot of, like I said, a lot of different things. And 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 now it's gotten to where, you know, uh, the community itself will approach us about an idea and, and we'll say, well, yeah, this sounds like a great idea and a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, we'll join with you or either, uh, you know, we'll take the ball and run with it. But I I don't know. It's just uh, and again, you know, I can't take credit for it because uh, it's not me out there doing all this by myself. My agents, they're they're on board and they do a great job. Again, I've been blessed with with the best agents in, in this area for sure. That's awesome. I, I would argue that you're probably not just blessed, but that you did a lot of hard work in your life to get you there. But I'm sure it's a combo of both. Uh, well, I don't know about all that, but uh, <laughs> I just know that I'm a lucky man. Yeah, no, I, I, I'll say one thing. Uh, you know, as Josh was talking, it, it reminded me of the saying, you know, uh, give a man a fish and you feed him for a day or teach a man to fish and, and you feed him for a lifetime. Well, you know, he's not really actually what he's doing is he's giving them a, a lifetime job, you know, or he's, he's getting them connected or reconnected, I should say. And, and that's just a remarkable thing. So I applaud him for that. I agree. We're super, uh, we're very fortunate to have kind of what I've learned in doing this is, you know, I'm, I'm kind of me and my partners are providing kind of a platform for this to happen. But at the end of the day, the success of, um, the program is dependent on the mentor and the veteran. And we've had a lot of really great 
success stories when both sides are really you know motivated and involved and because it's you know what we've also learned is it's very beneficial for the veterans but there's also a lot of benefit for for the mentor you know sometimes a great way to learn learn things is by teaching things so I think it's been really incredible to see some of the uh, success stories come out of it. Well, I can't imagine uh, the appreciation their families feel as well. Um, let me ask you this, Josh. When did you start this exactly and and how many people have come through? Sure. Yeah. So we we kind of started building the framework for the program in late 2015 with and then uh, and beginning of 2016 with the idea that it would launch fall of fall of 2016 um so that was our first class and during this time and we've kept it the same every year but we've we've wanted to keep the class what, what we call class size small for one so we can manage it um, because you know it's although it's kind of passion of the, me and my two partners like it's also it's on our jobs um you know it's so we have to be able to manage it and we also want it to be uh, you know kind of a as good of quality as we can make it so so we've kept each class at like 20 or less which has seemed to be a good number um for us and maybe one day that'll grow but that's been kind of the goal each year and and um and where we've kept it oh that's so great are there people that you've mentored that actually work with you at CBC Devonshire? There have been no veterans like in our program that that work for us. It's interesting because when we first launched the program, one thing we did was we polled all of the veterans at the U of I. Fortunately, my partners have access to every veteran attending the U of I. So not that they all respond, but we polled everybody and said, um, you know, like what, what's your major, like what industries do you want to work in? And we got this list of industries that, uh, it was like real estate banking, like they were, uh, they were engineering, there were all these things. And then our first class, like not a single person that applied or was in our program, uh, was in any of the fields that were like the top five industries that people were, were most interested in. We've had some, some unique ones, which have been, which have presented challenges in finding mentors, but only been successful to, to pair. Cause I mean, ideally what we were trying to do is pair a veteran with a mentor in the field that they want to work in. Okay. Um, we can't, we can't always do that. And then we try to just pa pa uh, pair, you know, like the best mentor we can um, for that person. But yeah, it's been, it's been fun. That is so interesting. Charlie, what would you say to somebody that said, you know, I really want to shift the culture in my office to, to something that really appreciates and gives back to the community? What advice would you give them? Well, I guess one, you got to lead by example. You know, that's that's kind of something that I take to heart. You know, I don't ask anybody to do anything that I wouldn't do. And then two, you know, you kind of got to explain the benefits, uh, you know, explain, uh, you know, why you give back, you know, some people don't, some people, it doesn't come natural to them. You know, they don't understand, you know, well, this just seems like a waste of time, but, but, you know, whenever you're, uh, as I call it, planting seeds or whatever, you know, people are seeing your actions. And so, 
when they see your actions in a positive way, then they're going to think of you in a positive light. So I guess the main thing would be, you know, just kind of explain the big picture uh, in detail and share with them, you know, why we're doing it. And if you choose causes that everybody understands and they can see a benefit from it or they see the reasoning behind it, then it's a lot easier to get them on board. And and then once they've done it a couple of times, they start seeing the uh I guess the return on the investment, uh, the return on their time, and it's not for money. It's for the for the feel good aspect. It's for doing the right thing. So, you know, when you explain it that that you know you're helping, you're giving back, you know, you're sharing your blessings because you know all of my agents here are making a good living, and and you know it's it's off the community. It's that's the ones that's paying our salary is our community, and you know we just try to educate them on. You know, this is a part of our DNA here at Coal Banker Up Church Realty is that this community is good to us. So we want to give back and, and be good to the community. So I guess I guess the, the answer to the question is, is it's kind of an educational process just of all the benefits and why you're doing it. That makes so much sense. Josh, what do you think if somebody if somebody was trying to, you know, if somebody was either new or maybe even well developed into their career, but they were thinking, gosh, I've always wanted to jump in and give back, you know, but it just feels overwhelming to pick something or it, it, you know, what am I going to do as one person? You know, what would you say to somebody that's really on the precipice and wants to do more, but just has no idea where to start? Yeah. I mean, I think it it starts with one wanting to do something. And then, because look, I, I mean, not everybody has to, you know, it'd be great if everybody did things for other people all the time, but there's no requirement to do that. And, and, and just because you do something or do a lot of things for organizations that doesn't, I, you know, one for starters, people have to want to do that Two, I mean, for me, I would want to, I would encourage someone to get involved in something that is important to them. So I always think not just with this kind of stuff, but with everything, I think oftentimes about the importance of going deep instead of wide. I, you know, certainly um, support all different organizations in our community that, you know, we've done water stations for a marathon here and built a habitat or, you know, did a a part of a build for a habitat house. And I've attended galas and stuff. There's a lot of things I've done that I don't, you know, I think it's a great organization and I think it's great that people are motivated about that. And, and I think they do great work, but it's like not something that I'm passionate about. So I would much rather, even though, Hey, I can give an organization some money for, you know, whatever they're doing, I would much rather go deep instead of wide. So I want to focus on what's I'm really passionate about because that passion is going to translate to something bigger than me you know, maybe being involved in 15 different organizations and trying to spread some time and effort and money across those. So although I think it's perfectly fine to to do that, I, I, I guess would encourage people to, you know, go deep on something that's, that's meaningful to them, because then it's, it's also going to probably translate to something long term and not just like, oh, I don't, you know, hey, this is a cool organization, but I, I don't really care necessarily, you know, it's not tugging at my heartstrings. So um, you may not be involved with them long term. So if it's something that you're passionate about, and is important to you for whatever reason, I think you're going to be you're going to do a lot more good there. Even if with what I do, I think about if one veteran 
finds, you know, gets, gets benefit out of what I'm doing or trying, you know, to do here, then that's, that's enough for me. Hopefully we get a lot more and hopefully every year, everyone in our class is getting benefits, both the veterans and the mentors. But if, you know, one veteran has some benefit from what we're doing here, that's in, in my book, you know, success. I mean, is it going to get to a point to where you would hire a staff person? You know, uh, so, so we so we don't, right? I mean, it. I don't know. Who knows if it if it one day gets to something bigger? I mean, you know, myself and my two partners who both work for the University of Illinois um, in uh, basically their their veterans offices. There, they're both veterans themselves. You know, we we the three of us do it, and um, you know, to be honest with you. It's become just kind of the nature of the program. Certainly launching it was a lot of time and effort and work. And there's, you know, money involved in running this thing. But really, once we get each year, once we get classes going, we tell the veterans and we tell the mentors that we're, we're telling the veterans this. We say, look, it's this program's for you. It's on you to follow up with your mentor. It's on you to contact them and schedule a lunch. It's on you to ask them questions. We're here, you know, we're certainly here to provide guidance. We're here to ask, answer questions. If there's a problem, you know, like call us or email us, but you need to take responsibility for the success of, you know, that you're going to have in this program. And sometimes we have veterans that, they had the first meeting and they never call their mentor again. And their veteran, their mentor tells us that and they do their best to get in contact with them. And it's, it's not a knock on the veterans. Sometimes they just have a lot going on and they, this falls to the wayside, but it really to a large extent becomes kind of a, a program that we have to check in every once in a while on throughout the year. But it, it it's really becomes a relationship that builds between each vet, uh, veteran and mentor pair. And then at the start of each year, we've got to ramp up and we've got to get up. You know, we, we have applications that um, veterans fill out and then we have a lot of, you know, a process to connect them with the right mentors. And you now each, each falls a, a big process, but then it really becomes, you know, to some extent hands off. And, and my, you know, my, my kind of like a dream goal with this is that, you know, we're right now and have been and each year recruit and get the word out to veterans at the U of I and encourage them to apply. And in a perfect world, what I hope this can turn into is that, you know, a veteran comes to the U of I they come through our program, they get paired up with a really incredible mentor, and that mentor helps them get full-time career upon graduation. And that veteran stays in our community. We have we have 52,000 plus students who attend U of I, and a lot of them graduate every year, and very few stay in our community. They go to Chicago or they go to you know San Francisco or wherever their hometown is. You know, I would love for more of them to stay here and I would even more so love for veterans who are U of I graduated to stay here. And then pushing further, I would love for, you know, another member of the military to get out. They maybe were in a unit with that veteran who had a great success story here. And they say, Hey, I'm getting out. Like I saw you into the U of I or like, and that veteran says, yeah, you need to come here because Cam McCall, there's this program, Cam McCall. One, it's a really great education here Two, 
there's this awesome program that paired me with a mentor, got me a job and I love it here. And then it just kind of organically grows itself. You know, that's, that's kind of my ultimate goal. I don't, you know, I don't know if we'll ever hit that, but that's, that's what I'm hoping for. I am sure you will hit that. It's gosh, it's all the work that's going into it and just the passion behind it and the, the rigor. I mean, it's, I mean, it's great to be passionate about it, but I can tell from what you've explained that you put a lot of thought and process and rigor into the whole thing. And I think, I think it's bound to, you're bound to reach your dream or your goal, like for sure. It's interesting. One thing you said that, that I wanted to, to sit with for a minute is when you said go deep instead of wide or what pulls at your heartstrings and really think about it. And, you know, I recently, I had read this book and it was highlighting just being comfortable with your emotions, you know, to, to sit there and feel what either makes you really either upset or, or excited or, you know, whatever it is, just to sit with your emotions and to think about what's doing that. And that might be something that's important to you. And it was just about how to discover what is meaningful to you. And, and I think that that, you know, that kind of gets at that. It's like sitting there and thinking if that's in you, if you want to give back, if you want to make this part of what you do in life. And, and we hope that this conversation's has you thinking that, but just to sit there and think about what is important to you. If it's your community in, internally, if it's something you did when you were younger, whatever it is to just sit there with it, ruminate, and then maybe do something or try something. And if that's not the right thing, then try something else. <laughs> yeah. And that's a good point too. I mean, it's, I have this belief that the reason that, um, you know, kind of my thesis is the reason that people either don't do stuff um, or they do do things is because they think that choice is a forever choice. So it, just because you start something doesn't mean you have to do it forever. Just because you stop doing something doesn't mean you have to make that decision forever. So to your last point of like, if you start something and it's, it doesn't work out or it's not what you kind of envisioned in your head, it's okay to move on to something else. Totally. I couldn't agree more. So for me, my key takeaways, and you guys can let me know if you have your own, but my key takeaways from this conversation, besides being super fulfilled, I found talking to both of you and being inspired to definitely jump in and do something bigger in my community in November. I want to say my takeaway, Josh, from you were a few things. One is training, really thinking about how training has become part of your life as yes, in the army, but also in work. So um, that's been just something that's been a constant, I think, in in what I heard in our conversation. So I think just always thinking about how to be better at X, whatever X is, you know, and, and really putting effort into it. So that was one thing that to me, you know, resonated with me. The other thing is, you know, what we just talked about is going deep instead of going wide and really thinking about what pulls at your heartstrings. And then lastly, the nugget you just gave us is nothing has to be forever. And if you want to try something that potentially is the way that you give back, then you should jump in and try it and not feel like it's your forever choice. And if that's not the right fit, try something else, you know, and you know, what better time than now to try something new. So I am, um, those are my key takeaways, from our conversation, Josh, but, and Charlie, I wanted to say, my favorite thing you said, and I think that it's my hope for this conversation actually, is the rising tide floats all. I hope that, you know, more people doing, you know, more things for their community or for their personal causes or whatever it may be really inspires others to do more. And the whole leading by example is what I'm I'm truly hoping and what we at Cobalt Banker Commercial are hoping this November will be a little piece of and just showcasing all the wonderful things people are doing in their community and showing by example about our big hearted nature and how everything can rise if we all do a little thing, um, whatever that thing is. So I just I wanted to to say thank you so much. And, and also the other thing, Charlie, is just 
that it's an education, you know, you have to, you know, have patience with the whole process. And if there's somebody that if if there's a passion you care about and you want to be that inspiration, there's different ways to do it. You know, you lead by example, you explain it, you let them try it and see for themselves. And if it fits, then it fits. And so um, those are just the wonderful takeaways I had from these conversations. But I wanted to open it up if you guys wanted to close with anything specific that, you know, for our for our listening audience. Well, I'll start and just say that, uh, you know, we've been associated with Coal Bankers since 1982, and it's been a great, great relationship. And, you know, Coal Bankers always uh, set the bar real high and, and led by example, and I appreciate that. But, but you know, I'll put this out there, too. If You know, uh, like I said, we've done a lot of different things. Uh, we've done the coats for kids for 28 years, and, and that's a fairly easy thing to do, but it fills a big void of, of you know, kids that can't afford coats in school. We have Teachers call us and ask us for coats, but we've done a Habitat for Humanity. We've done a customer appreciation barbecue. We've raised $80,000 for a police officer that got shot and killed here uh, by doing a concert with Luke Bryant and Jason Aldean. And we've done the World of Wonder Playground. And, and you know, there's just so many different things that we've done over the years. And if anybody, you know, that's listening, you know, would like to give me a call and, and ask me how we started off or went about doing it, I sure don't mind sharing uh, anything that we've done. Uh, learn from my mistakes because we, you know, we're not perfect, but but we do try hard. So, again, I'll just leave it out there that, you know, uh, feel free to call me anytime, come up with an idea and, and, and we can brainstorm. And if it's a good idea, I might do it here, you know, so. But I appreciate you taking the time to listen to us and and uh, and giving us this platform. Absolutely. And if anybody wants to get in touch with Charlie, his email address is charlie at upchurchrealty.com. If anybody wants to check out Camp McCall, you can go to www.campmackall.com. That's campmccall.com to check out all the amazing things that Josh was talking about today. I really appreciate your time to, in today's call. And I just, I want to let you both know that I am leaving feeling uplifted and inspired. And I hope that the rest of our listeners are too. For anybody that wants to continue conversations like this, please subscribe to our podcast so you can see the latest and greatest episodes pop up in whatever app that you use to listen to pods. Thanks so much. Thank you.